to the Eagles 25 to 20 yesterday, but what really has Yurko and my interest peaked? I'm Jeff Miller and for Carmen today is the fantastic World Cup final, the greatest of all time that we were that was fantastic. witness to yesterday prior to all the NFL action starting. And two, two heavy hitters, too. Yeah. You know? Of course. They're heavy hitters. Two of the favorites. Uh, it was Brazil, Argentina, France. Those were your three favorites heading into the World Cup. And so to have France and an Argentina, the greatest of all time, going up against the greatest of all time today in Mbappe. So it was a very good matchup every way you sliced it, right? And I was actually doing the pregame show with Deanne Miller. We were live at O'Donovan's yesterday, which is a soccer bar. So it was a fabulous atmosphere. Oh, what an atmosphere. It was awesome to be there, courtesy of Tullamore Dew. And we were hanging out. We had a blast. And we were trying to do the Bears pregame show, Yerk. But I'm not going to lie. The crowd was going crazy because we had such, you know, there was just everybody was reacting to every single shot, every play as you would expect at the soccer bar. And for the greatest trophy. I mean, I don't think it can be undersold how important it is the fact that it's only every four years. That just heightens the experience, right? You're talking about players who are lucky if they get a chance to play in two World Cups throughout their career because it is such, you know, for an international team, most guys, this may be their only opportunity. Maybe some of them get, you know, to a second or a third World Cup when you're talking about the elites. Right. But a lot of guys, this might be one of their only opportunities to really play in a World Cup. And then that's not even to note, you don't, you don't even know if you're gonna, your nation's good enough to qualify sometimes, right? Yeah. So to have... I mean, some might argue the best player in the game right now is a guy playing for Norway. Sure. And yeah. Norway's never going to see Lines. a World Cup. Yes. The yeah, le- unless, but they're going to 48 teams now. Oh, I think yeah. it's specifically, specifically, they're starting to expand things, trying to say, hey, maybe there's more great players out here that'll never well, play in a World Cup. I think there's... And, and Halan's one of those guys stuck in a country... Yeah, that's more likely to become come to the finals of a, a hockey World Cup than they are a soccer World Cup. Um, I think actually FIFA has recognized that there's lots more green to be had yeah. if you let uh, more money, yeah. 16 more nations into this thing. That's 16 more nations that are likely to be consuming your product at a high level. So I think that's probably the biggest driving factor. But nevertheless, in four years from now, when the next World Cup is taking place in America, in Canada... And Mexico, Mexico yep. you know, there will be 48 teams, but it will come on the heels of yesterday's fabulous final, which, again, I think to put it into context, um, I was watch as Lionel Messi scores, scores that third goal for Argentina. Teddy Greenstein was on with Dion and I talking, and he we were all just stunned in disbelief watching. I actually had goosebumps as it was occurring because I was like, the moment of what I'm watching, the greatest player of all time, potentially, it was, you know, on some levels, it was like John Elway getting that first Super Bowl that it took so long for him to finally get right when the Broncos go and win. Uh, Teddy Greenstein said, this is Michael Jordan in Utah against Byron Russell. Like, because in all likelihood, right. it's Messi's final World yeah, Cup. Yeah, he's 35. When he's 39, he's not going to be playing for Argentina. Correct. And he That's won't be. At, yes, no. And even if, yeah, he, he won't be there. He uh, said, same thing with Modric. Modric's not coming back at 41 to playing anything. No. Uh, he's going to play in that United, what is that, Nations League yeah. they got. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. already in the semifinals. He's going to finish that out, and then I think he's going to yeah. hang up. And, and Messi said yesterday that he is not going to retire just yet. But that just means he's not going to retire this moment from Argentina because he wants to play a few more games with them as the holders. As a champion. Exactly. And so it'll be a, a, you know, a bit of a celebration the next time he plays for them. they've got his replacement. That Julian, uh, what's Alvarez? Yeah. 
Well, he's pretty he's, damn good, too. He's excellent. He yeah. plays for Man City behind yeah. Holland, as you mentioned. Yeah. So, um, But what we saw, like, the theater of the moment, it was, this is, you know, a guy who, in a lot of ways, is the Michael Jordan of his sport, but because of the circumstances of the World Cup only occurring every four years, and it being a little more difficult for one single player to push his team through, like Jordan, we saw Michael Jordan, like the Michael Jordan of soccer, win this World Cup, and it was fabulous, and just to try and for me to try and articulate to you what how important it was in the moment if you're a soccer fan to watch Messi do it it was fabulous I'm so happy too that Argentina again I, I had no rooting interest between Argentina and France yeah, yeah. but I'm happy that uh, Messi was able to conclude his or his international career with right. this you know well, epic win. Title. yeah uh, Beck and John wants to I think uh, he wants to chime in with uh, a conversation about why you're wrong about okay, something, Yerky. Okay. What do you got, Beckenbauer? Let's go. Hey, how's it going, Yerko? Uh, first of all, I will agree with you. The the first Argentina penalty yesterday was a little soft. Thank you. I appreciate I, that. I, I thought the first France penalty was a little soft, too, so those canceled out. But the one beef I had with you was the, the penalty in the Croatia game. And I know those are your guys, but yep. I've heard every soccer expert break that down. Yeah. The reason it's 100% a penalty was because... The attacker didn't shoot, so if he had, if you know, it was Alvarez who had the ball. If right, he had right. Taken it, if he had taken a shot before the collision happened, or was like on the receiving end of a pass that was overhit that he had no chance to get to. Right. Then it's a, then it's a collision, no call. But once the keeper basically gives himself up and is like, "I'm going to clean house out of anybody who's here," Alvarez did a smart thing, and it doesn't happen very often. But he just touched the ball just past the goalkeeper so now he's it's still a theoretically opportunity. A, a live ball and a goal scoring opportunity right yeah, yeah. so it got the run over now the goalkeeper in his own in box he got run over right he got run over in his own box they're calling it a penalty I but, but the goalkeeper basically knew he's given himself up there he's like i you know and i'm hoping he shoots and misses but I'm going to go, but then you can't just still be standing in the guy's way when he still has a chance to play the ball because it's right I, behind the goalkeeper now. Beck and John, I think this is one of those moments where I'm going to have to step in and say Yerko agrees to disagree because I have a feeling that it's going to be hard to convince him. Although I tend to side more on, I think it was a fair call, Yerk, but uh, I th- listen. One thing, too, it's not called very often either, but. There, he, if the goalkeeper's not in his way, he still has a chance. If, if the ball's rolling out of bounds and he's no way he can catch up to it, they're not going to call that at all. But since it was still right there in the six-yard area and mm-hmm. he could have reached it, that's that's why they called that. So it's, I don't think it's a bad call. But good, he's not. Showing, I, 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 I got you, Becca John, but he's not following the path of the ball. You understand? So he tipped that ball, and it was outside of the box, closer to the dot than it was to the six uh, six meter line, mm-hmm. it was outside the box. He tips it to the outside, but continues to run forward. You know what I'm saying? He tipped it left to the goaltender, right? Yeah. Just touched it left to the goaltender, but he continues straight into the goaltender. So the path of the ball, where it's heading, <laughs> and the path that he should take are not the same. I think it's ridiculous, but they never. It doesn't look. make a difference. Listen. Argentina won. The- yeah. Congratulations. Full marks right. go to Argentina. All right. Again, uh, we'll conclude this portion yeah. of the World Cup breakdown and get back to a little bit of Bears and NFL talk as well. Barry's in the South Loop. Wants to talk about the Bears' future. What's going on, Bear? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. And first of all, Merry Christmas to both of you guys. 
A couple things, man, I want to say is, first of all, for the first time that I can remember in a very long time, is defenses actually have to game plan for the Bears. We have a nightmare on offense right now. It kind of reminds me, you guys have been talking about Jordan, the way Detroit went after Michael, man. They had six guys beating fields up yesterday, but he got up and almost willed that team to victory. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing is, is that I was one of those people who thought losing was going to get us more draft capital. I don't see us getting more draft capital now because I'm looking at the teams behind us, and the only two teams that might want to move up are Carolina and Atlanta. And if we swap places with them, we might miss out on generational talents like Carter and Anderson. Interesting, Barry. The one thing I'll say is that when you, you know, there's general, there's, you may, you may not like the team that wants to come up their certain position, right? Like you may have to go back a little bit farther in the draft and look at a team that wants to move up. I, but you're, you're right. The, the teams directly behind you may not necessarily be quarterback needy teams or, you know, for instance, uh, Denver's win, which by the I think people know about this at this point, the Seattle Seahawks have the Denver Broncos pick. So you may say, okay, well, the Seahawks are sitting third. Would they want to come up to two for the Bears, right? And uh, not necessarily because would they really – are they convinced that it's going to be whether it be, you know, uh, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, whoever their guy is, are they convinced that he's worth moving up like, oh, by the way, Ryan Pace was back when he traded up for Mitch Trubisky, right? They, you're, you need that team that wants to come up to right. not be so far in the draft that you find it prohibitive, prohibitive to trade away your first over, you know, your, if it's right. the second you overall pick. That's like with the seventh, eighth pick right after that's that. That's the ideal scenario. That's, you know, if you can get fourth, fifth, I think fourth, fifth, and sixth this year, or at least earlier, they're owned by uh, uh, other teams. So right now I'm looking at it, right? It, so yeah. third right now is Denver's pick, which goes to Seattle. Right. Fourth right now is the Arizona Cardinals. They clearly have Kyler Murray. They're not in the quarterback market. The Rams sit in the fifth spot. Their pick goes to the Lions. Jared Goff has played really well this year, but you wouldn't think that the Lions are necessarily going to let Jared Goff stand in the way of a quarterback if they want to go out and draft one, right? Right. Um, if they find a guy they want, I could see them making the move up. But then again, if you're the Lions, you probably, I don't know if you want to get in business with you know trading multiple first-round picks to the Bears of all teams. Although they did make the TJ Hawkinson trade with, the Vikings in their own division. You're looking at a 28-year-old quarterback in Jared Goff. The problem is he's an expensive 28-year-old quarterback. But I think that's actually, it, it was at one point expensive. It's I don't no think it's expensive. super prohibitive when you look at the years left and because of the hit the Rams took when they made the deal. Right. I don't think it's a terrible number for Jared Goff if he plays anywhere close to the level he's played at this season. The Indianapolis Colts, they're sixth right now. Um, you know, they're clearly... They, they, they need, to, need a quarterback. They need to get past the point of putting a bandit on. So maybe right. that's your trade partner if you're right. looking for one, right? Yes. The Colts sitting in that sixth spot are a team that you look at and target and say, yes, hey, you guys want a quarterback? Come up to two for it. That's a GM, though, Chris Ballard, that didn't get the job here in Chicago. And that's would true. he be willing to, to deal with the Chicago Bears? Or would we be looking at them knowing they, they don't have, nor do they need a quarterback? So... I, I'm not worried about yeah. them taking it. I'll go at the position behind them if somebody's willing to jump. But maybe they've got a Patrick Mahomes-like situation where of all the quarterbacks that are out there, they've got the one they like, 
and they don't think anybody is going to take yeah. them before they pick six. Maybe they're in the Will, Le- maybe, Will Levis maybe, business. Yeah, Who knows? Maybe they're in the catbird seat, and they're not worried much about anything. All right, so it's all possible. We'll continue to take your calls, 312-332-3776. If you'd like to talk about the Bears' loss yesterday against the Eagles, what impressed you from that game, aside from Justin Fields, and what does the future hold for somebody like Ryan Poles? How is he developing this roster going forward and what is the plan because i have to admit aside from justin fields and the secondary there's lots of holes on this roster be right back here on espn 1000 stream espn 1000 anytime through the espn chicago app you're listening to carmen and yurko chicago's home for sports espn 1000 you can go with this or you can go with that Miller in for Carm today on Carmen and Yurko, hanging out with you after a Bears loss to the Eagles yesterday. 25 to 20, put up the valiant fights, but nevertheless, the talent, the talent disparity was on a clear display as it didn't seem like the Eagles were playing their best game, at least offensively. But um, defensively, they were clearly too much. Uh, Yerko noted the 15 tackles for loss. Uh, yeah, nine, six nine, sacks. nine TFLs and six yeah, sacks. Six sacks, nine TFLs. That's, uh, that's, that's not going to get it done. a lot of negative offensive football right there. When you're talking about a defensive line that the Eagles are able to throw out there with such great depth and you know just really taking advantage of the Bears' offensive line, which is not up to snuff right now. You know, simple, simple T stunts, ET stunts. Nothing complicated. They executed them very well, and they had free runners on the quarterback. And even as elusive as Justin Fields is, when you sit back and you're looking down the field and you're swaying, you don't expect somebody to become free coming at you like that. Mm-hmm. And they were just guys running free, and they ran no stunts. Not complicated. Should be able to handle them. Why you can't handle them, I don't know. A.J. Brown also putting on a putting on a clinic against Jalen Johnson, who followed him around. Now, I know that uh, Eberflus said that Johnson had a pretty good day. I don't know. I mean, that was, I think, one of my takeaways here. I wanted to ask you, can it be a good day when you give up 181 yards? Nine receptions for 181 yards, 20 yards, uh, a 20-yard average. I, go, I wonder if Charles Dimry said, <laughs> and I don't know if you remember Charles Dimry. He was a cornerback for the Atlanta Falcons that once gave up five touchdowns. To uh, to Jerry Rice, mm-hmm. you know, except for those five touchdowns, I had a pretty good day. Yeah, except for the nine receptions for 181 yards, I guess Jalen Johnson had a pretty good day. I, I guess they tackled AJ Brown before he got into the end zone. Although Hurts did follow up that drive with the one caveat. I get there's no pass rush. Yeah, and there was a little bit better pass rush yesterday. And I thought they got you know they were pressuring Jalen Hurts just a little bit or forcing him to be uncomfortable just a little bit. But it is. When you, can, you got all day to throw, it yeah, is a little bit tough. more different, uh, difficult to cover. So that's always the one thing I use. Okay, and, I yeah. can I can I can argue against them, and I can argue for them. And I guess as long as you don't have a perfect football team, yeah, you can do that. And maybe too, it shows the confidence that Matt, Matt Eberflus is starting to gain in Jalen Johnson because he was willing to have him follow AJ Brown yesterday, which has not been the case for the most part this season. Remember too how. Jalen Johnson's career started under Matt Eberflus at training camp, minicamp, when he was demoted initially, you know, as not as yeah, a non-starter. Right away, yes. So think about where we've come. So maybe right. that in itself 
is you know right. something to be if you're a Bears fan. New coaching staff in town, you don't walk around like you own the place. Correct. And you, he, the job is going to have to be earned. And if you think you just have the job, uh, that's not a good sign. So every once in a while, I got demoted to the third string one time. Oh, really? oh yeah. I did not know that. I don't I know that. I don't know that Yurko story. Yeah. Okay, do tell real quick. I, I got demoted to the third string. Didn't like the way of the was effort that I was Green making. Bay Jacksonville. Or? Okay. Jacksonville. So I went about the business of, okay, having a practice where I was, you want me to be a disruptive force? I'm going to be. And I had a practice and a half. I played my butt off. Mm-hmm. They made me go 11 straight goal line plays. I was exhausted after it. But I went 11 straight goal line plays. They, okay, you, you want to mess with me? I get it. You're the boss. You're mm-hmm. in charge. Um, I did it. The press came and asked me. Pete Prisco back then and sure, John Osher and the guys, Mike Bianchi. Mm-hmm. And Gene Fernet from the Florida Times Union, they came and asked me, Yurko, what are you doing on the third team? They noticed. Yep. I said, well, guys, this is the time of year when you've got to work with all your combinations, you know, uh, under fire. When you're going in there and it's live and we're full pads, I said, everybody's got to be able to run stunts together. Everybody's got to be able to kind of play and get a, mm-hmm. get a feeling for each other. This is the time of year to do it. It's training camp. We're getting ready to play games, you know. So I gave him the answer. Sure. The, the, the politically correct yes, answer. Yes, I knew yes. what they were doing, though. Yeah, you know they, they were, were poking, to, they were poking yeah. and prodding the and bear. And then when I saw them at the beginning of the year, I go, Pete, I said, you were right. They were, they were, you know, they were trying to motivate. That's mm-hmm. what they were trying to do. So I get it. You know, I get it every once and, in a while. But here, you're feeling too good about yourself. They want to go ahead and they want to put you back in your but place. But there's also a level of professionalism, pro- professionalism, professionalism, thank yeah. you, where message, message sent, yeah, message, message received right, exactly. by Jalen Johnson. So maybe yeah. that is something also yeah, a, a positive when I you look at it. I received the message too, too. I knew what the message was, sure. but I told the press it was something else. Yeah. Well, like I said, though, just the fact that we're now to the point where Eberflus wants Jalen Johnson to right. follow AJ Brown around yeah. is encouraging. Let's try Dan, who's in Arlington Heights, has some Bears thoughts. What's going on, Dan? Oh, Danny. How are you doing, gentlemen? Good afternoon. What's happening? Well, Yurko, I have to say that uh, for the first time I listened to your post game. Yeah. And there are some people that can't can't play offensive line. That's true. You know, I scouted this league for many, many years. Leatherwood cannot play right tackle. Forget about it. He's got no lateral oh, movement. He, he leans forward on yeah, his block. He's, he's a I mean, waste. Fundamentally, he's awful. He's a waist bender. He's like a turnstile. Yeah, he straightens you know, his legs, bends at the waist, trying to maintain a low level. Then he just turns. It's yeah, easily be turned. Can't play. Nah, just, can't play in this league. You can't block the a gap. So what are you going to do there? I mean, we got to have a veteran center that control the offensive line. You got to have some guards. I mean, the free agency is going to be all about all about line play. Whether it's defense or. Uh, or offense. I agree. That's the way they built, I mean, the, they built the team in Detroit that way. People called them names. Last year they played a lot of close games. They lost a lot of close games. They were called a lot of names last year, but here they are now. 7-7. Seven and seven. They look pretty good. And let's be honest. Uh, coming out of hard knocks, Dan Campbell, I don't know if people were convinced necessarily that he was going to be the guy to turn it around. They they liked him as a soundbite, but the truth was he was also somebody who was very easy to make fun of, and the reality is that so far at this point, even though I don't always agree with some of the decisions well, that he won makes, four in a row, they, they were three they, and seven. They've right? done a nice job of turning this around. Three yeah. and seven, and people are going, "Oh, look at everybody fell in love. Everybody with, fell in love. Everybody fell in love." Yerk with a quarterback in Jared right. Goff, who Sean McVay had completely given up on. So I do think it says something about where the Lions are at and what they've done. So yeah, maybe you can look at that and say, "Let's." A better line play in front of Justin Fields and on the defensive line. I think he still has 20 touchdowns at home and four touchdowns on the road. Mm -hmm. 
That's a big disparity. That is quite a big disparity. That needs to get a little bit better on the road. Uh, let's try Philly Sid. Philly, happy Sid. about your Eagles yesterday? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was kind of how I thought the game. Yerk and I talked right. to Yerk actually pregame yesterday yes. uh, when he was on the air, and I told him, yeah, I just don't want it to – I don't want to hear this crap if the, if the Bears, you know, win a game right. against the Eagles that, oh, my gosh, we're going to the Super Bowl and the Eagles suck, you know, type of thing. I, I said it was going to be a tight game. And it's going to be every game the Eagles are going to play, particularly against teams that have a bad record right now. It's their Super Bowl. That was the Bears' chance to go out and prove themselves and try to play against a really good team and see what they could do. So the fact that it was tight and the fact that the Eagles didn't play their best game offensively, it made a lot of sense. I really called you guys to talk about the draft. Um, People talk so much about, hey, you got one of those high picks and you hold on to it because there's a team below you that's going to want to come up and get one of the quarterbacks. That's not the only reason people trade up in a draft. People will come up to get, if they think that there is an all-world offensive lineman out there, a future you know, all-pro left tackle you know, that's going to be a Hall of Famer, or a future you know, Richard Dent at the defensive end spot, or a tackle type of thing, people will come up and get that too. That said, uh, go back and look at the drafts of 2010, 2012, and 2013. I don't know the precise order, but in those drafts, the Eagles in the first round took Brandon Graham. They took Fletcher Cox, and they took their right tackle on the offensive line. And they're all still playing today. Yurko is 100%, 1,000, a million percent right. You build an NFL team in the trenches on both sides. And if you think one of those two defensive players is the guy, if I'm the Bears, I take him. If you don't think, if you're not convinced that he's the guy, then I trade out. Yeah, Brandon Graham was a first round in 2010. Who's Nate Allen? Safety. Second round oh, pick from the bust. Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. He was Ma- a bust. Imagine if you hit in the second round. Boy, you'd be jumping I, for joy. Hey, hey, Yurko, you want to talk about hitting in the proper round? Go back to the year that uh, Ray, Ray Lewis came out. Right. Ray Lewis had some concerns, off the field concerns. Right, right. The Eagles, right before he was picked, they took Jermaine Mayberry, who ended up being a bust offensive lineman. I remember. But in that same draft, in the third round, guess who they selected? Brian Dawkins. Yeah. They could have had both of them in the same year. Well, yeah, so, li- li- Philly, you're right. Listen, uh, the draft is littered with players who you can right. look back on and say, man, is my team. Just- 86 pick Daniel Teo Nishim. That's Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, then. I don't remember I Daniel Teonishai. And we, oh follow, we follow this stuff pretty closely. Yeah, but we I think, do. Um, if anything, the one thing, and I'm hoping Ian Cunningham, coming from Howie Roseman's staff, what he'll be able to help convince Ryan Poles to implement is the idea that, you're right, Philly, if you see that one guy who's a definite, hey, we feel like he's going to be the linchpin we build around on either either line, I agree with you, Philly. You're right. Not not sure yet how you know we need more draft mock drafts and need to do more research on you know some of these guys before I can make an informed opinion but what I'll say Yurko is uh-huh. that I what I like how that Howie Roseman does is when you trade back and accumulate those additional picks yes. to take shots because like Philly just said you don't always know when you're going to be right right as a talent evaluator I got just more be, shots just be right more often than not and you'll uh, probably be happy in that same 2010 draft three fourth round picks in a row almost mm-hmm. Keenan Clayton they drafted a great coach in Mike Kafka. <laughs> yes. I don't know how good of a quarterback he was. Not good. Not great. And like three picks later, they took Clay Harbor. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, yeah, they had a ton of picks. And they finally, and then a little bit later, Ricky Sapp in what? the fifth round. 
I mean, well, they had a slew of picks. They got three out of like 12 picks. And, and how about this year? And don't, it, but it, it mattered because it counted for them. We don't even have to go back that far. Go back to 2020 with their first round pick, the 21st overall. Guess who in front of Justin Jefferson, who the Eagles selected? Jalen Rieger. You saw him playing for the Vikings, giving up on a ball that almost cost the Vikings their comeback. But you know what they did do? Later in that draft, with the uh, very next selection they had, the 53rd overall, they selected Jalen Hurts. And they had Carson Wentz on the roster. So you don't always know when you're going to be right, but when you accumulate more opportunities, you're right. right. Yes, you give yourself that chance. 312-332-3776. It wasn't just the Bears we were watching this weekend. We were watching lots and lots of NFL action and also the World Cup final. It was a great weekend. We'll share some of the highlights with you next here on ESPN 1000. Listening to Carmen and Yurko on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Don't miss a minute of Carmen and Yurko. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Jeff Meller sitting in for Carmen this week here on Carmen and Yurko and. If you were locked in to the Bears game yesterday and not much else, you missed a hell of a weekend because, man, oh, man, Saturday started off with some great NFL action when the Vikings made a comeback, and then we concluded Saturday's action with a fun game between the Bills and the Dolphins. That one, even though the snow started late, it provided, I think, uh, the hope that people were, the hope people had for a fun it's always fun when you get snow games right Yerk? to as a, as a viewer would you agree yeah i love snow games of course i mean some of the most memorable you... games i've ever watched yes have been one snow and deluges yes anytime there's a deluge or a gully washer those are fun to watch so while in buffalo they had to clear out snow early there was the threat of snow which eventually did come into play late in the fourth quarter and then of course you had uh uh, the Buffalo Bills players, the offensive linemen clearing the snow for their last moment uh, field goal attempt. But nevertheless, Saturday was great. And then it just led into more great action on Sunday when we had on the weekend, we had five games, five NFL games, Yerk, end on the final play of the game, including three overtime games. And oh, by the way, in, in addition to those five games that ended on the final play, we also had the Chargers win on a last-second field goal. They did have to kick off one more time. And we had the Lions and Jets game and on a missed field goal. So just lots of fabulous action all the way around, including what we've already talked about, the greatest World Cup final of all time. So it was a fabulous weekend worth reliving here on Carmen and Yurko. Zone, 36-yard line, back to pass, green left to Dalvin. Turns it up outside the numbers to the 40. Gets to the 50. It is Rosemary! Dalvin, 20 to the left. 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Dalvin Cook, yes, yes! A 64-yard touchdown! Snap, takes the handoff, looks left, looks center, yes! It is T.J. Hawkinson for the two! Fourth 
consecutive year. This crowd is going crazy. The Bills are going crazy. The players are on the field just laying in the snow, dancing around, making snowmen. The Bills win it 32-29. to Mamontiel. Mamontiel. Play action, Goff back to throw, looks left, throws left, wide open, the tight end, block right down the sideline, to the 30, to the 20, to the 10, 5, into the end zone, touchdown! A catch and run by Brock Wright, the Lions tight end, with a minute 49 to go, fourth down from midfield. Third and four, blitz coming, Prescott throws backwards, and intercepted, Jenkins has another one, racing down the sideline, Rayshon Jenkins is going to win it! He's got a first and ten, McKinnon, Brown a block, and a block, York conclude the weekend montage there. Yeah. Highlights courtesy Good of stuff. Fox, CBS, Telemundo, KFAN, and WGR 550. Lots of radio calls. We had the Vikings there with their comeback win. We had the Bills with the walk-off field goal on Saturday night. We also had the Argentina win in the World Cup final there you caught. And then uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars walk-off win in overtime. Interception return for a touchdown. Your Jaguars. Yeah. Um, the Chiefs surprisingly having to go to overtime to beat the Houston Texans. And then finally, the play that uh, had everybody talking this weekend the New England Patriots oh and Jacoby Myers and we'll give Ramondre Stevenson, too, a little bit of shade for their decision to lateral in a tie game that resulted ultimately in Chandler Jones with a little bit of sweet revenge against his former team with the walk-off stiff arm of Mac Jones into the ground. And then they walk off win as he then rolls into the end zone. With the uh, with the with the ball extended just, out as right. he headed just into the end zone. Just didn't understand it. I know he said I'm going to accept culpability, and and the wide receiver said I'm going to accept culpability. Mac Jones is probably apologizing for getting run over, but you, you have to know the situation you're in. Yeah, go out of bounds. Time's off. You know you're not going to make it. Okay, you got to live to fight another day. You've got to live for overtime. What in, what are you thinking? That's such a low percentage. It's like a point zero one percent chance of you being able to complete it. The last time I saw it work, mm-hmm. the last time you saw something like that work, it was Kenyon Drake going in for a touchdown with the Miami Dolphins yes, in I one did. of those crazy plays where Kenyon Drake... And then when they go back and they look at it, there are like three things they could have called a penalty sure, on. Sure, sure. And they none just of the officials to. chose to call a penalty. They, they, it's such a low percentage play. You're tied. Get out and f- go into overtime. 
Uh, you, you asked what were Jacoby Myers and Ramondre Stevenson thinking. Well, let's start with Ramondre Stevenson, who was the first one to lateral after the draw play. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, I mean, the play started off with me with the ball. So if I didn't pitch it back to him, Jacoby wouldn't have the chance to do that. So, you know, I take full, full responsibility for the, for the play. And, you know, I just got another situation. Just, just, I just got to know what's going on in the game. So I think Stevenson being a good teammate there, trying yeah. to take Myers right. off the hook just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, Jacoby Myers also stood up, met the media, and um, he did not run away. He definitely took responsibility for his actions as well. Was the, was the plan to lateral the ball? No, just, no, just trying to do too much. I'm trying to be a hero, I guess. Call it kind of. I didn't see the dude back there trying to throw the ball. Like I said, I was just doing too much. You know what I'm saying? I should have just went down the ball. You know what the crazy thing is, Yerk, too, is on one hand, I know Ramondre Stevenson said, you know, I shouldn't have even given him the ball, and he's right, but the reality is Stevenson, the risk-reward, for his purposes, the lateral, made a little bit more sense. When Jacoby Myers, though, at whatever point decides, I'm going to go ahead and launch it back to Mac Jones, 20 yards behind me, near midfield, with, oh, by the way, nobody behind him. Yeah. You've got to be thinking to yourself, what are you thinking, man? And, and I don't think he was. I think he lost. I think he... I, I, I truly he didn't he said he knew the score was tied. I wonder if at that in moment, the middle you of the play the ball, you're like ah! you, do you know sometimes like yeah. you're in the middle of a play and just yeah. all of a sudden you kind of lose track of what the situation is. And I think he almost thought, oh, we need to score a touchdown here. Like he it's like brain cramp, whatever. Yeah, yeah brain and, cramp. And he just completely lost his mind there. And and Mac Jones is the one who has to pay for it with the the uh, the 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 posterizing of of him. By Chandler Jones because man, poor Mac Jones got stiff armed straight into the ground. I, Chandler Jones, credit to him because he was ready and waiting, and he knew that he was going to take it to the house. He he, he just well, he put the arm right in the face of Mac Jones and, and put him to the ground. All he had to do was keep his balance, of course. That's but it. but I'm saying he knew yeah. he like when when Jacoby Myers was like, I'm I'm going back to Mac. And again, don't you always, explain to me what the thought process is because. Mac Jones can't throw it forward at that point. The only thing he can do is run it. Mac Jones, There's nothing else he can do. And by the way, Mac Jones isn't Justin Fields if he gets the ball. Right. He's not somebody who's going to no. break it 60 yards down the no. field. No. Boy, I just wish you had seen either one of the two. Just walk out of bounds. What are you doing? Walk out of bounds. Who cares? Anyway, I'm going to make Chandler Jones my player of the weekend. Is that cool with you? You can do that. If you want to make it, you can do it. I'll make Lionel Messi. That's fair. My player I of love the weekend. It. See? Even though I'm complaining about the penalty against Croatia four or five days earlier than that, I'll still make Lionel Messi my player. Yeah, you're you're a professional. Yeah, Merck, I'm, Merck, I'm you a got pro. a you got a player of the uh, weekend. You know, for I was us? all set to give it to um to my guy Charlie Woods and Tiger Woods. Uh, they didn't have a great yeah. tournament. They were good. They you were give okay. Give it to VJ. VJ and his son Quas, I think, sing. But uh, yeah. I think I'm going to instead give it to the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, seven straight division title. I know Mahomes hasn't been there for all of them, but. Uh, another impressive uh, division for the Chiefs. I'm going to give Andy Reid, our guy, uh, Player of the Week. There you go. Charlie, you have yeah. a Player of the Weekend for us? Yeah, how about Trevor Lawrence, man? That guy's really becoming a star, I think, before our eyes. You know, obviously, like, Hurts is, or excuse me, Fields is the big one we talk about from that draft class, but Lawrence has really been pretty special the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, I believe he's uh, over the three of the last four games. He's gone over 300 yards and thrown three touchdowns. So yeah, and clearly, he's got 13 touchdowns, one interception in his last five games. And yesterday against the Dallas Cowboys defense, which obviously is one of the best in the league. So there are your players of the weekend presented by Pride Stores, as always. All right, uh, up next, uh, what else do you want to talk about, Yerk? What else we got on tap here? A little bit of baseball? Both uh, both our baseball teams both, both, both making some moves of town. here? Yeah, both, both sides of town making a little bit of noise. All right, the Cubs land their much-coveted shortstop on Saturday. We'll tell you about it next here on ESPN. Working from home? We're back in the office. Don't miss a minute of Carmen and Yurko. Just ask your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Breaking down a another Bears loss as they move to three and eleven on the year after a twenty-five to twenty defeat to the NFL's best Philadelphia Eagles. Move to thirteen and one, also seven and zero on the road for the Eagles. Not too shabby. Uh, in the meantime, while a lot of us were consuming football action, the uh, the Cubs were out getting their guy, landing Dansby Swanson over the weekend on Saturday. The announcement came down. They secured their short step for seven seasons, Yurko, and $177 million. The fourth short stop of the class? Is that who they got? That would be uh, the guy who was, yeah, I think universally regarded as the fourth best short stop. Right, in a, coming off one hell of a year, right? He, I mean, he yes, had, he had yes, a good his year. Best, his, his best uh, Major League Baseball He's going to play yeah. short. Nico Horner goes over to uh, second base. That is correct. you got no shift anymore, so you've got to have solid people on the inside. You're not cheating anything over anymore. Oh, I, best case, I, I hope it works out for the Chicago Cubs. I hope it does. We all do, I think. Um, Dansby. I, I mean, I don't know if it's enough. You know, you got Bellinger, who it's like the land of misfit toys. That's what you have over with Chicago uh, with Cubs. So just yeah, you you got Bellinger, who's had three it, straight years that have been a little bit yeah, off. The, You're hoping he recaptures the magic. I think mm. I think Bellinger was a you know they didn't they didn't really it's a one year deal right in, with an option, and if he happens to. Um, play really well. Well, he'll opt out and quickly go back to free agency. So while the hope is that he can figure it out and you can maybe work on his swing, you know, the, the, the it'd be a good problem to have. Certainly, if Bellinger does figure things out, the problem is if everything works out as his as planned for him, he'll be hitting free agency again and probably you know looking to go to the biggest bidder yet again. Sure. And will the Cubs be in? In the in the market for a Cody Bellinger, if he does figure things out for them, because they clearly weren't in on you know, or, or they weren't willing to pay for Carlos Correa and Trey Turner what it took to land the two best shortstops in this class, and it sounded like they were interested in Xander Bogarts, but he they weren't willing to go to the number that he willing, got with the willing Padres. to spend one seventy seven, not willing to spend two fifty plus. Correct. That's where they're at. Correct because. Okay. So you signed Stroman and Suzuki, right, last year? They That's did. two guys that you end up signing. Mm-hmm. You signed Bellinger, Tayon comes over, Correct. right? Jameson Tayon, yep. Yeah, Tayon, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. You know, like Lionel Messi, mm-hmm. you know, just always pronounce, Leo Lyle, it's all, mispronouncing it's things, but it doesn't make a difference. We know what you meant. So you're bringing people in. Uh, is Dansby maybe the the best of what you've brought in the last couple of years? 
Is he the guy that's going to help solidify this whole thing? I think that's with some the hope. young pitching. I think the concern is that Dansby Swanson had his best year. For me, the problem is that his on-base percentage, even in his best year, his best professional season, um, where he had an OPS plus of 115, um, and you you noted to me before the show started, his career OPS plus is 95. Right. Struggled which is actually, early offensively as a hitter, Yes, as yeah. a hitter, that's 5% less than league average, which is yeah. not ideal. But clearly, a lot of his value do, is derived from the fact that he is a very good, if not the best, Love man. defender at shortstop. So, so that's good. Theoretically, you're strong up the middle. But my concern is that I wonder if, the, in some ways, this is the second coming of Jason Hayward. He's... God, he's available, and and listen, and and this is you know Jason Hayward minus the speech, right? Because clearly, um, I'm concerned that we, he had his best offensive season, and the Cubs paid for it. And I don't know if he's going to be able to sustain that, that level as he hits his 30s. You know, in fact, see 28 now. He's 28. He'll be, it'll be his age 29 season next year. Well, at least they're only committed to him till 35. Sure. I, I, I guess that's the only thing you can say. Uh, are they better now than yes, they were at the end of last better. year? They are better. Yes. So, but, remember, this is a team that won like 10 out of the last 12 to get to 74. Okay? 10 out of the last 12 to win 74. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily convinced that they were a 70-win team last year. Yeah. Listen, you know, that streak was the streak. They, they won the games that they had to play, so there you go. But how much better does it make them? Do they become a 500 team? I think... I don't, Dan, Dansby Swanson in himself is not going to make the Cubs a 500 team, but I think the hope is with the additions of Tyon Bellinger and Swanson, um, I think the hope is that the Cubs can be closer to a mid-80 win season. I don't know. And, and if something's coming up from the farm. Matt Mervis, if he performs like Sylvie expects. Yeah, if something comes up from the farm, they might have something. Maybe it's not this year. But usually what happens is you, you, you have a, a year where you make a market improvement, mm-hmm. that way you can add the pieces that you need to, okay, become sure. that playoff-challenging team. I don't know if this is the lineup that can make the market improvement up to about 85, 86 wins as much as this is the team that gets you to 80. Mm-hmm. Well, that I think that would still be a little bit of a disappointment. I'm concerned that I think... Well, what's their Pythagorean number? Has it come out yet? And what's the Vegas odds so... telling me about... Uh, exactly how many games the Cubs should be winning this year. I, no, I don't believe those are out just yet. I think they're waiting for free agency to settle. The okay. Pythagorean theorem, you can't win total. You can't look at it until afterwards. It tells you when you underachieved and maybe uh, should have won more games than you actually did. Nevertheless, um, I but just think... Pa- they, the, the Greek god of math, Pythagoras, mm-hmm. Yes, didn't they come out? Those numbers usually are available before the well, season starts as an expectation of what you should win, not necessarily something that looks back no, and so say, this is what you should have won. Your Pythagorean wins is based on your runs scored and runs given up. And then there's a number. And so it's based on the previous season, usually, if you want to get that number. You can I go ahead you. and give me a projection, and yeah. then I can give you what a projected Pythagorean right. win there is. But that's not something I think that necessarily... This is not A squared plus B squared C squared. It's C more squared. Of an it's not what we're talking Pythagorean about. Pythagorean win theorem is a, a stat after I got you. afterwards, not projecting. Nevertheless, the Bulls gave 150 points last night, and we didn't even mention it. But we'll give Goran Dragic the last word because, hey, someone has to have it. Carmen and Yurko present today's final word. Because you had to be a big shot, did you? You had to open up your mouth. Today's final word. You had to have the last word. On Carmen and Yurko. 
this team is not as connected as it needs to be. Why? Yeah. Um, because we're not playing for each other. Simple as that.